You are Locked On SEC Football, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to your Locked On SEC Football Podcast. I'm Dave Hooker. He is Chris Landry. It's time to get rolling. There's never an offseason in college football, especially in the SEC. Coming up on the podcast, we'll have a recruiting report. Alabama and Ohio State going at it for a four-star prospect. Uh, Mississippi State with a verbal commitment uh, will get an update of Florida sophomore safety Amari Burney as he transitions to linebacker this spring. Uh, Alabama redshirt freshman defensive end Cameron Alatu's work at tight end in the spring. Uh, pretty good. So we'll talk about that as well. We'll go into the mailbag. So we've got a lot to get to. We'll go to the film room and it's brought to you by Twillery.com. Go to Twillery.com for fantastic shirts. You don't have to iron them. Uh, you can go with the untucked version. You don't have to pay for shipping. You don't have to pay for returns. And you get $25 off these quality shirts if you just go to Twillery.com and use the Locked On promo code. Use the Locked On promo code to get $25 off. Bundle four together. Those shirts are as inexpensive as $55 a piece. Pretty nice. Let's go to the film room with Chris Landry of uh, LandryFootball.com. And if you haven't checked out that website, you got to do it because uh, you can get an inside look at football at the NFL, college, and even recruiting level. It is time for the film room. We're going to get a breakdown of, uh, uh, I would say, uh, a pretty marquee position, uh, the quarterback's. Uh, what do you think of the uh, top quarterbacks and quarterback units in the SEC, Chris? Well, you know, uh, it's interesting because uh, over at uh, doing LandryFootball.com, we're, uh, we're breaking down in, in um, the Landry Football podcast the, the quarterback position and how the, the going into detail of the quarterback's jobs and how they prepare and how they call plays. And it's a little different at the NFL level and the college level, but we kind of marry the, and we talk about it. I think it is Dave. I don't know if you would agree. I think it's the most important position in all of sports and the toughest position in all of sports. And, you know, um, if you've kind of followed this series that we've taken now through each position, we've got special teams to talk about tomorrow, but we've broken down every position to this point. This is the last one. There's a little bit of a theme, uh, Alabama and Georgia at the top of the list in most of these uh, position groups, or at least in the top um, top four or five uh, when it's not top one or two. Alabama and Georgia, again, I think lead the way. And listen, I think you can look at it a couple of ways. I think that Alabama and Georgia, in terms of its backup quarterback, you need to factor that in, folks, uh, because you're one play away from that guy starting. Uh, they're not as good as, certainly in Alabama's case, not as good as last year. But I think that applies to both Alabama and Georgia. I think Alabama has uh, maybe a little bit of an edge in that, I think, to his brother. Um, I think Paul Tyson have ability. They're not ready to play this year. I think Mac Jones um, could allow Alabama to win most of their games on their schedule this year. On their schedule. I don't think Alabama can win a national title if Tua goes down. So SEC championship game against a healthy Georgia with a with Jake Fromm, uh, a, a playoffs, um, uh, certainly beating a Clemson. I don't think that's happening if Tua goes down. So I think we need to factor that in. But certainly I would say that at least 
75 to 80% has to be the starting quarterback in, 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 in determining these grades. I give Alabama a little bit of an edge. I think that uh, keeping Tua healthy is a real issue and is a concern. Uh, but I think the guy's dynamic. I think he's got more playmaking ability than, say, Jake Fromm. But I also think that that the, the one aspect that I would rank Jake Fromm a little bit better is that I think he reads the field a little bit better. He's a little bit more patient. And for the most part, kind of protects the ball in most situations. Um, Alabama just makes more plays with Tua, and I'm very curious to see how he develops through the course of this season. But it's outstanding. There's no question about it. Um, those are the two best. I, I think it's very debatable as to where you because there's a line, Dave, in my mind after those two. I, I think it's debatable where you go at number three. Um, you know, people will throw out a guy like Kelly Bryant of Missouri. I'm not as big a fan of Kelly Bryant as other people are. I think leading a really good Clemson team is one thing. I think leading this Missouri offense is going to be another. I don't think he's going to be as productive. But listen, uh, what I think doesn't matter, it's what he does this year. But I'm anticipating that that certainly you're going to see maybe the same guy, but a different production. So we'll see. Could it be a Kellen Mond who's under the hard charging coaching of Jimbo Fisher? I thought he improved last year. Um, You know, I, I think he could be the third best guy in the conference. Could it be an improving Joe Burrow at LSU? Um, again, another candidate, a very good leader. I would say that in terms of leadership skills, he's right near the top. Is he a dynamic passer? He is not in my mind, but he's got some ability there. How about Florida? I might take the duo of being able to in a pinch and situationally putting in an Emory Jones under the tutelage of Dan Mullen, uh, along, um, uh, obviously, um, when you look at, um, the, the situation as a whole, I don't know that, that, that I would think that, that I would put Frank's as high as maybe some people do certainly Florida fans, but I got to tell you, Felipe's improved, uh, quite a bit under Dan Mullen. That's a candidate for second best. Um, you know, Bentley at South Carolina is another guy that's intriguing. So I, I think it's, you know, you can take three, four, five, six, and seven. And Dave, I think you can throw them in a hat. And I think, you know, depending on the play around them, um, I mean, I think you can flip seven to three and, you know, mix them in there. I, I do really believe that. Auburn's young at quarterback. Mississippi State's young at quarterback. I think the guy that maybe could surprise folks, the team is not ready to make the move, but Jared Garantano at, at, at Tennessee is really good. Arkansas is going to have a little new look there. Kentucky, the same thing. Vanderbilt, a new guy. Ole Miss, a new guy. So I think there's a lot of questions. I think that we were, I got them in three uh, tiers. And I think the third tier is a little bit unproven with, with Garantano. Maybe I would put probably closer towards the second tier guys. Um, I think it's an interesting race because I think the quality of quarterbacks in the SEC are pretty good. But like in most cases, you have new guys coming in, old guys going out. How are they going to play? What is Auburn's quarterback situation going to look like at the end of the year? Uh, how much better are they going to be as they are at the beginning of the year? 
that's going to probably determine the fate of Auburn's season. So uh, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch, uh, but that's how I see it. With the Alabama, Georgia, then I would put Missouri, AM, Florida, LSU, South Carolina, Tennessee kind of in that second tier. And then I think it's kind of the unproven Mississippi State, Auburn, um, you know, Arkansas, Kentucky, Vanderbilt, Ole Miss um, that are most intriguing. With Auburn is maybe the one team that potentially could jump into that second tier. So that's how I look at the quarterbacks in the SEC heading into the season. And it's so interesting you mentioned all those guys even at the top uh, dealing with coordinator changes mm-hmm. and uh, – you know, I, I would say roughly as I was, I was thinking about it while you're talking about it. I'd say half the the quarterbacks are facing coordinator changes. Uh, how challenging is that to overcome? Uh, I think it's a challenge. I don't think it's um, overcoming as much as I like. For example, I think that Dan Enos will be missed to some degree as a quarterback coach more than a coordinator. I, I think that. Actually, that'll end up being a positive because I think Sark will really relate well to Tua, really help him out a lot. I thought he, um, I think he's got really good skills there. I think there's probably going to be an upgrade in coordinator role. Um, But I do think Dan Enos, remember, wasn't the coordinator, but the quarterback coach. I I thought he did a really good job with Tua. So Sark's going to be key. Obviously, when you look at James Coley taking over at Georgia, uh, will they expand the offense a little bit more than with Jim Chaney? Uh, I think Jim Chaney's is a really good hire by Tennessee, but I can tell you that at Georgia, they were kind of looking to go in a different direction. So is that direction going to be positive there? So I, I, it's a really good point that you bring out that the top two, at least you got, you know, coordinator changes and it may be for the, for the good, uh, Missouri, AM, LSU uh, stays the same. Florida stays the same. Although Joe Brady comes in to maybe augment the LSU offense with the passing game, um, it's going to be a real interesting year because that that position, you know, people say, you know, how important it's it's so important because they touch it on every play. And with the passing game becoming more and more of an element, even though good running teams, you know, great teams are still good running teams. You've got to be able to to throw the football to to make the to allow that running game to breathe a little bit. Let's get to a recruiting report on your Locked On SEC Football podcast. Uh, Four star twenty twenty linebacker Jordan Banks uh, has a couple of official visits planned, and this is one of those guys that is talking to certainly the most elite college football programs in the nation. Yeah, Alabama and Ohio State is where he's headed. Well, where is he going, Chris? Which one? I I think it's really close. Uh, maybe. How about this? I'll get off the fence. How, how about 51%, 49% Alabama leading over Ohio State? That's why I see it. Actually, I would probably need to change that just a tad and maybe give Oklahoma, I don't know, 10% chance, so so we'll alter that a little bit. Never was really good at math. Um, I, I think that uh, Jordan Banks is outstanding. I think he's going to be an edge guy that's going to rush the passer. He's 245 pounds. He's 6'4". Good-looking defender that uh, I think is going to come down uh, to the tide and to Ohio State. I, I'm telling you, it has been a big-time run, and with the top running back in the country close, I mean, 
Alabama's close to closing out their 2005 class in terms of commitments, and it is getting good. I mean, we've talked about, you know, how good Clemson's is. Alabama's right there with them. Uh, Funny, we kind of hear from those teams a lot uh, during the playing season. (laughs) Recruiting-wise, they're right there as well. It's going to be fun. Great player. Uh, We're going to see how this plays out. It may take a little while, but, um, you know, I know he visited Oklahoma already. Um, we'll, we'll see how the, he's a top, you know, 200 overall prospect in the country. Jordan Banks will keep you up to date on where he's gone. Mississippi State, hearkening back to the Jackie Sherrill days. They go the junior college route with their latest commitment. <laughs> yeah, Sebastian Dolcine is is uh, from um, Pye Lincoln Community College in Mississippi. Uh, Colin, as we like to call it in the South. Um, he um, played two years at uh, Kentucky and played just one game for him. Um, he's a really good, I know ranked by some of the, the, the groups that, that rank him. I've seen a little bit of film on him. Um, good looking player physically in the run game. Um, haven't looked at all the top guys. Uh, so I will trust a little bit of the info that I've gotten that he is uh, one of the better guards um, I, of at least of about six or eight um, guards that I've seen, he would probably be in that third or fourth category. It's pretty, pretty good group. One of the best in the country. So it's good, good get for them. The plug and play guy that can come in and certainly help in the running game. Pretty good fit for their scheme when you watch them. And, um, he does some zone blocking stuff very, very effectively. So Mississippi state, of course, you, you know, you kind of alluded to it, you know, uh, there, there's something about, uh, you know, California has, you know, a lot of rec- you know, uh, junior colleges, but per capita, you know, Mississippi and Kansas are the two states that have really good junior college programs, football programs, that if you do it right, you don't want to live off of it. Um, uh, I like to say junior college is like a condiment. You know, you, you, you may like mustard on your hot dog, but you can't live on mustard. It's just a condiment to it. But if you can take the right players and let's say they can't quite make it from a developmental standpoint coming out of high school, but they've got maybe they they didn't play enough football. Maybe they were a basketball guy or another sports guy, or maybe they've had a little struggles academically, maybe a little character issues that just related to immaturity, not being a bad kid. If you take those guys and are able to kind of hide them and put them into junior college, develop them off the field, and you have good relationships, as which you do, is you – you uh, have a lot of those guys that coach that uh, are from at least some of the schools that are from that state. Uh, you can you can really find yourself a little feeding ground. It's uh, certainly what Bill Snyder did at Kansas State early on. And then, obviously, the Mississippi schools uh, historically have done a very good job of placing a guy, developing him. But in this case, uh, you know, this is a guy that's pretty good that's coming from another school. So, listen, it's just another avenue to kind of find players that can plug and play. And in this day and age, um, I think it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out with all the transfer portals uh, and and where that's going to take us. Because, look, if you have a young guy, Dave, that transfers, say a freshman, well, you replace that guy with another young recruit, that a developmental guy. But what do you do? And I'm not talking about necessarily the, the Alabama Clemson's types, but the, the, the top. But what about if you're at the next level and you don't see kids that are starters 
that transfer. But what, what if you do, and you have maybe a kid that leaves early unexpectedly because of the draft, but what if you have a guy that maybe is a, is a, your, your, your six offensive lineman or a rotational defensive end that, you know, quote unquote, well, he's not a starter, but he's a real integral part of what you do. And he leaves in the transfer portal for whatever reason, you know, using the JUCO route to where a guy can come in and play immediately is something that can add to the mix. Now, the better option is to go with a with another transfer somewhere else. But what if you can't find a requisite guard because maybe you lost a guard and you need a swing interior offensive lineman to add because one guy just left in the transfer portal? Well, what you're now having to compare um, uh, maybe a transfer portal candidate to maybe a junior college guy and say, which guy can come in and help us in a depth role this year? It's another avenue, uh, you know, not that junior colleges are new, but I think in some cases you may see that that option being utilized a little bit more. Coming up, a scouting spotlight. We go to Gainesville and Tuscaloosa. Stay tuned. You're locked on SEC football podcast. More after this. You are locked on SEC football, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back. You're locked on SEC football podcast. Don't forget to go to Twillery.com. Use that locked on promo code and you get $25 off your purchase. Free shipping, free returns. Why not try it out? Because you're going to get fantastic shirts at a great, great price. Don't have to iron them. Uh, They're cool. They're uh, just fantastic shirts. You need to check them out at Twillery.com. Use the locked on promo code again to get $25 off. Let's go to Florida to check out a a sophomore safety, Amari Bernie, and uh, he transitions to linebacker. That's a natural move that we see a lot in the SEC. How's it working out for him? You know, pretty good. Uh, You know, he's growing into linebackers, getting up close to 225 pounds. He can really move. Um, You know, a lot of what you do now with safeties and and, um, certainly in early downs, they have to be big enough to get down in the box So um, to play on early downs. So you'll see him, I think, lined up, um, you know, in in the pass and kind of an in-the-box player that's the transitions made the move to linebacker pretty pretty effectively. Um, And what helps you is with his versatility and – his flex, his hip flexion, his ability to cover, you know, from the linebacker position helps. So I, I think, you know, getting more speed as we've talked about, what you're seeing is the moves today are, all right, you're taking the lighter, more athletic guy and, and you're you're playing him, you know, moving towards the line of scrimmage. So safeties are becoming linebackers and corners becoming safeties and, you know, linebackers are becoming ends. And so uh, this is another case of it. Really athletic guy. This Curious to see how this uh, Florida defense continues to develop during August. But a good move there, and um, really impressed with what I saw on tape with him this year. Last year, he was pretty active. Um, you know, he was effective on the blitz um, a few times. And, and again, does a, does a really good job of um, playing in coverage. So it really does it. I think it'll help him from an athletic standpoint to match up against, you know, he can cover backs and tight ends out of the backfield. A guy that, you know, is athletic enough to effectively play against slot guys, um, big slots anyway, uh, this is going to allow him a little bit more um, chance of success covering backs and tight ends in the league. So good move for them. 
And then another uh, position move in, in Alabama, a move from defensive end to tight end, which we see from time to time, and can be really, really successful. Yeah, it, you know, um, Cameron Latu, the, the uh, Utah, Salt Lake City, Utah kids, redshirt freshman, um, you know, his they moved him, they worked this spring at tight end a lot. Now, if you're looking at Alabama's positional changes this year, um, there, you know, Forrest is a good player, but you know, Irv Smith, the ability of an Irv Smith type of guy that's athletic, that can cause a lot of problems down the seam, or at least affect how you have to cover. They don't have that. That's the one area that you look athletically experience wise. You could look at a lot of spots and say, well, they lose this guy. They lose Quentin Williams. They lose, you know, but they've got a lot of talent and some experience. You look at the tight end position. That's the one position where you see um, the ability level go down. Uh, there's some depth. This is the reason why I think they've moved a lot to. They've got uh, quite a bit of guys at defensive end. He was a really good defensive end uh, coming out of uh, high school in the 2018 class. He redshirted it last year, uh, and he moved pretty well. I mean, he did a nice job. He has a chance to be really good. I'm very curious to watch how he develops in August. Um you know, I think they can get him to where he can be enough of a factor where he can become a uh, at least part of the offense. That's that's what the goal is to make that move is to add it. And you got to add depth because if Forrestall goes down, then I think they're really in trouble with experience. Um, Forrestall is a quality guy. He's not Irv Smith, but he can be a really good, valuable, valuable player. If you look at him, he could start at most places in the SEC Forrestall, but He's probably not ideally suited to be the type of tight end that they've had there in the past uh, with, their, with their, their last couple of guys uh, that have been Irv Smith and um, O.J. Howard. Um, you know, Latu is the guy that ha- athletically makes a little bit more of a s- more sense uh, than, than what they currently have. So let's see how that develops during the course of, the, uh, of August. But really breaking down the spring practice tape. I like what I saw and the potential that he has. Coming up, we go inside the mailbag, and we'll take a look at another facet of Alabama's football program. So stay tuned. He's Chris Landry at LandryFootball.com. I'm Dave Hooker. More after this. You are Locked On SEC Football, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back. It is your Locked On SEC Football Podcast. We go into the mailbag and we had a question about Alabama's kicking game. Will it improve in 2019, Chris? You know, that is uh, the million-dollar question. Um, I thought, and I've been hard on the kicking game. Uh, You go, I mean, I thought it could have cost them a national championship against Georgia. Um, I think going back... I thought it hurt them. Um, you know, I mean, listen, we're nitpicking here, but I, I, I think that the kicking game, uh, the field goal kicking unit, let's break it down into that. I, I don't think they've been as good. I know they score a lot, and I know it doesn't come down to it a lot, but in pivotal games, it's it's potentially hurt them, and they overcame it, or it's hurt them. I thought they got a little bit better last year. Um you always wonder, I think kickers, the best way to describe kickers in my coaching and scouting career, it's, it's a lot like evaluating golfers, Dave. You can have really good game, but if your rhythm is out, um, 
your your confidence level. Uh, you know, it's such a out there position. You know, I mean, it is. You're out there. You make it or miss it. You're the hero of the goat. I know the quarterback position is the same way, and and certainly more important. But you know, you can do other things. You can run the football, and and you can still kind of camouflage it. Man, if if you're missing kicks, I mean, it just doesn't. You're just out there by yourself. Will Riker did a really good job in, in the spring and the, the, the leg strength. That's never been an issue, really, but, it, you know, it, with, with their guys. But he, he appears to have a little bit of that mental toughness that could be special. The, the true answer is to the question is we don't know until we get into the season. And even then, if you're winning games by, you know, 24 points, you miss a field goal, you're 21. No one pays attention to it, Dave. You know that. But the reality is, is can you make clutch kicks? How reliable are you? Uh, I think all those things are important. Um, I think there's a chance there to have a guy that is a little bit more reliable. I think Will Records probably the best one they've had in a while in terms of natural physical ability. We'll see if he's got the mental toughness and the consistency to match up quite as well as um, as, as, uh, as some of the better kickers in the country uh, that they've just lacked to this point. There you go. It's uh, got to be a little bit strange because he rarely has pressure on him because the games are often one-sided. And then when you do, uh, you, you better make it because those can be key games. He's Chris Landry of LandryFootball.com. I'm Dave Hooker. That's your Locked on SEC Football podcast. We will talk to you tomorrow. Have a fantastic day, everyone.